Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Allie. And Allie. Allie, you're sitting in for Stephanie this That's evening. right. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> no problem. You can give us a call at 855-450-3733. Talk about anything you want to talk about here on Free Talk Live. That's That's the name of the game. That's what we do. And, you know, tonight I want to start off with an article that just got me all burnt up. And you'll see why that's kind of a you know, funny statement here in just a second. The situation is in Billings, Montana, out of, this is off the Missoulin.com. I guess there was a, one of the 40,000 drug raids that go on in this country every year. This was just another one. And the police were going to raid this house of this family where there's uh, you know a 12 year old and a um, you know another child that they didn't know were in the house they had intelligence that this house was being used to make math I see and to do raids they do have to have warrants right yeah okay. they have to have a, they can get a warrant but it is all they have to do basically is say hey judge we have we have uh, evidence. Probable we, we, cause. We, we, we've got not even that. Not we, even? Wow. You know, I mean, they have to have some kind of intelligence that there's something going on in there. Now, mm-hmm. they had enough intelligence to know that there's a drug lab in the house that wasn't there, but they didn't have enough intelligence to know that there were two uh, kids in the house that were there. Mm. So um, they did uh, confiscate, confiscate some stuff and call it evidence, but uh, there were no arrests made and no uh, drug uh, stuff. In the house. So a 12-year-old girl suffered burns to one side of her body when a flashbang grenade went off right next to her as police SWAT team raided a house in the West End um, Tuesday morning. Oh, my gosh. I want to try to imagine what it's like to be sleeping in the room with your sister and a flashbang grenade goes off within eight inches of you. I mean, isn't that the reason why they're like, we must bust these meth lads are dangerous. Explosions could happen and kids could die. Apparently, and they found no they found no meth lab. The only thing that was in, the, endangering this kid was the cops, apparently. The war, drugs are bad. The war on drugs is worse. Let me go on here. There's a picture in this, by the way, of, uh, of the wall with a, I'm going to call it a two-foot circular hole busted in on the wall. This flashbang grenade had enough power to blow a hole or a, a big giant dent thing in the wall and knock the, the nails out of the the, uh, the drywall, and it burned this girl. Terrible. I mean, there's a picture of it, and it's it's not a pretty burn. And I can only imagine what it's like to have a ba- flashbang grenade go off in the house. And Was it something she had to be hospitalized for? Or oh, what? yeah, they took her to the hospital, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's, it's nuts. So... Uh, she questioned why the police would take such an action with children in the home and why uh, it needed a SWAT team. A simple knock at the door, and I would have let them in, said the mother. Um, the uh, police say that it was totally um, unforeseen and totally unplanned and extremely regrettable. We certainly did not want a juvenile or anyone else, for that matter, to get injured. And this just goes to show how bad their intelligence was. And I just wonder... You know, what is this intelligence that they've got? Right. And is this worth it? Back in uh, Prohibition times when with alcohol, it was the it was the St. Valentine's Day massacre where eight guys who were, you know, gang members moving alcohol were lined up and shot. And that was pretty much the end of it emotionally for Americans. 
Mm-hmm. But Americans don't care right now if people or gang members are being shot over prohibition, whether it's marijuana or uh, meth or whatever kind of prohibition it is. I'm wondering if a girl getting blown up by a grenade by the local police department, you know, getting burnt and and I, I can't imagine what happened right. to their eardrums. Right. And I mean, the fact that it's an American girl, I'm sure means a lot more to people. I mean, what about all the incidents that happen overseas from the United States? That apparently, you know, doesn't bother people whatsoever, at least not enough that it changes any of the policies. It doesn't seem to matter. I mean, there's just so many police officers out there making so much money doing these 40,000 drug raids that go on in the country that I just don't think it can be stopped. This public sector Mm -hmm. union is just too powerful at this point. Right. Well, I think part of being a police officer it I don't know if you're in order to do the job and be effective, you have to see the public as this crowd of criminals and people that are trying to do illegal things behind your back. And to some degree it is, but they think it's all um, they see the public and most people as just low lives and that, uh, you know, whipping them into shape can only help the situation. So then when they go about these raids, they're trying to be sneaky which, you know, a lot of the people involved in the raids don't realize how little information they might have uh, in ex- executing the raid. I mean, who do you blame for this? I, you know, who do I blame for this? I guess I at this point, I, I guess I just have to ba- blame sort of apathy on the American pe- pers- uh, people's part because the police are going to continue. We know what the police are going to do. The Missoulin Police Department or excuse me, the, this is Billings, the Billings Police Department. The, the SWAT team will go out on another raid tomorrow if they have the same kind of information and the same kind of, uh, you know, piece of paper from the judge that says that they can kick somebody's door in and throw grenades in their house. They'll do the same thing over and over again if they're ordered to do it. You cannot count on the police. You cannot hold the police officers responsible. No one will do it. They'll say they're just doing their jobs. I but mean, if the American people, if you try people... to take this cop and you charge him with aggravated assault, they'll say, "Whoa, whoa! I've got, uh, I've got qualified immunity. The, I was ordered to do that." Mm-hmm. You know, not that that mattered in Nuremberg, but uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, he should be, he should be. It's aggravated, aggravated assault. He stuck a fat flashbang grenade right. through a, a kid's window, and he didn't know he was going to do it. And if you want to charge his uh, commanding officers, great. Let's charge him on up the line to president because they're all responsible. The, the sergeant who gave the order, the lieutenant who gave him the order, the captain who gave him the order, the, the police chief, the, the, the mayor, on, on up to the city council, you know, everybody. As far as I'm concerned, they're all culpable. Well, they're all more aware of these kind of things happening than the American public, the apathetic American public. I mean, it would be nice if these stories, you know, made more major news sources. If this was playing on MSNBC, then maybe more people would be up in arms about it. But uh, I, for whatever reason, people just don't want to hear this stuff. I, you know, I, I, it's either people don't want to hear it. I think that if people were confronted with the war on drugs on a more regular basis, that they would come to the conclusion that this is not working. Mm-hmm. But to some extent, it's the media doesn't think they want to hear it, so they don't deliver it. And then they don't hear it, so they don't deliver it. And it just keeps on going down the line. Does the media not report on these things because they think people don't want to hear it or because they are being paid by governmental organizations to report on the news that helps the government. I don't think that I think that it comes down to uh, the government provides and all at all levels provides media with their information. So, I mean, most of the news that is news 
comes from police liaisons, police departments, and you know these kind of organizations. And if the media takes on those organizations, then those reporters that do it aren't are going to be persona non grata. So if this is the name of uh, um, well, if you heard the story from Ember Lyon from CNN, she talks about how CNN, uh, you know, censors a lot of stories where journalists are out there risking their lives to report on the truth and then it doesn't get covered in the news and in fact they'll sit there and report on lies they'll they'll know that something's not the truth like when it came to uh the riots in egypt they're like oh obviously it has to do with this film well they had information Benghazi. that proved otherwise mm-hmm. and yet they still reported that it had to do with some anti-muslim film I, you know, I mean, I, I did read the same article and I don't really I, don't, I guess I don't entirely understand. I know that there's collusion. And I don't understand why there's collusion. But I do know that if I was trying, I've tried to get police agencies to talk to me and they want nothing to do with Free Talk Live. Mm. All Free Talk Live can do is report on news stories that other reporters have reported on. There's no way that any police agency is going to talk to me because they believe that I'm out to get them. Simply by the fact that I want to hold people accountable for their actions, I'm out to get them. Mm. And what that says to me is that police departments that I've spoken to have no interest in accountability. Or they have something to hide. Well, you know, it, yeah, I mean, what what are they trying to hide? What, what don't they want to be accountable for? Uh, can anyone justify this? 855-450-3733, Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society, the wheel, the printing press. The Internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Talk Live, 855-453, that's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. You can call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about here on the live Sunday edition with Mark. And Allie. But we have been talking about this story going on and uh, that went on this week in uh, Billings, Montana, where I guess a flashbang grenade was thrown through the window or placed through the window. It's kind of a strange situation. I'll go on in the story here in just a second. If you're looking for back episodes of Free Talk Live, they're available to you for free at archives.freetalklive.com. We have the last seven days right there at the top of the page at freetalklive.com. And then if you want anything past seven days on back like six years, you can get it at archives.freetalklive.com. We make it completely free to you because we want you to listen to Free Talk Live. So it's archives.freetalklive.com. So I'm just going to go on with the story here from uh, the the Missoulin written by, oh, I had this guy's name just a second ago, Zach Benoit, Benoit, something like Benoit. Anyway, St. John said investigators did plenty of homework on the resident. This is the residence where they didn't know the little girls were sleeping in the bedroom or Mm -hmm. that they had, that there were even little girls there. Kids leave behind 
all kinds of signs. Like you can tell when there's kids in a house. They have toys. Uh, I saw pictures of the bedroom. It's not like they were. I don't know what the socioeconomic status of this family was, but they had like a nice little setup in the room and everything. Of course, before the the grenade went off in it. Um, there's toys and stuff. You can tell when there's a little kid in the house. Usually, it's not. They're not too little. The um, you know, this girl's twelve, and I believe she's staying in uh, the older sister's bedroom. If I remember cor- the story correctly, older kids, bigger toys. But what I don't, I just don't believe that there was any intelligence work done. Mm-hmm. There are forty thousand drug raids in this country every year, and. That means that they've got to do a lot of drug raids. And why would you do more research when you can do less? Hey, right. we got somebody who says that they're making meth down at, uh, you know, 555, you know, Rogers Way. Let's go down there and check it out. You know, hey, we've got to be careful. Make sure we get a no-knock raid warrant and uh, we'll go and bust in. What's the big deal? If it's the wrong house, it's not like it matters. It's not like any police officer has ever been thrown in jail for aggravated assault by tossing a grenade into somebody's room. Right. And the individual police involved aren't, I mean, do they care so much if this tarnishes their department's reputation? I think when it comes to kids, yeah, I think the police officers do care. I think they just tend to get lucky. There's not too many incidences where uh, kids are out there. um, And it it, generally, they're pretty deferential when it comes to children. But some people have kids. How come this doesn't happen more often? There's just not that many stories out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, just not too many. There have been some incidences where cops have shot kids and killed them in um, home raids. But, you know, most of the time the news doesn't carry non-white kids being shot. They just don't do it. And so, I mean, you know, a dead black kid in a drug raid just doesn't matter that much. Most drug raids probably go on. At least there's probably a disproportionately larger number of drug raids that go on in ethnically non-white houses. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it's a racist, uh, you know, that they're shooting black kids because they're black or Mexican kids because they're Mexican. I'm just saying that for whatever reason, the TV news doesn't care as much when a child is non-white. And it's it's just this disparity that goes on. It's bad. It's wrong. Is it just because it's so common that they figure, well, it's not newsworthy because it happens all the time? I can't answer. I can't answer. So anyway, they didn't know that the kids were there. And the information that we had did not have any juveniles in the house and did not have any juveniles in the room. We generally did not introduce these disorienting devices. They call this a disorienting device. This thing blew a hole in the wall. Right. And burned a little girl. This is not a disorienting advice d- device unless it's several feet away from you. And I can only imagine what happened to the ears of these kids. You know, I, 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 my ears are no good from rock concerts back when I was 18 years old or something, you know, young, younger than that, 16 years old. Uh, and I can only imagine what it was like. Imagine trying thing. to sleep at night after experiencing something like that. These, these girls are actually having a lot of trouble with that is the, the claim oh of the mother. God. I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. But. I don't believe the cop's story when it comes to, well, we did a whole bunch of homework and we just couldn't find any kids at this house. Right. So uh, the decision to use a SWAT team was based on a detailed checklist the department uses in serving warrants. The investigators considered dozens of items such as residents' past criminal convictions, other criminal history, mental illness, and previous interactions with law enforcement. Each item is assigned a point value of the total exceeds a certain threshold. SWAT is requested. Then a commander approves and re- or rejects the request. On Tuesday's raid, the points exceeded the threshold. Investigators called in SWAT. Every bit of information and intelligence that we had comes together, and we determined the kind of risk that there was there. The warrant is based on some hard evidence and everything we knew at the time. 
But he said the risk wasn't there, and that the, the, this but fashing, I guess, is the mother. And the entry created for her and her daughters a sense of fear that they can't shake. I'm going to have to take them to counseling, and they're never going to get over that. A, claim, a claims process is already being started with the city, and St. John said it's not an overnight process, but it does determine if it does determine the police department needs to make restitution, they will. If we were in the wrong and we made a mistake, we're going to take care of that. But if it determines that we're not, how can you ever take care of setting off a flashbang grenade next to a little girl? Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, paying for the doctor's bills, I guess, and the counseling afterwards is a start. But start. ending the drug war would be nice. Yeah, well, that's the only way this is this kind of stuff is ever going to stop. So that you know, flashing's considering legal action uh, for now, but uh, Moore's uh, she's more concerned about her daughters. Uh, they said here the police said um, St. John declined to release specifics on the drug case, citing the active investigation. But he did say that activity was significant enough um, where our drug unit requested a search warrant. So they're claiming that they knew something. They knew enough about drug activity going on in the house, but they didn't know about kids there. It would seem to me you would take a, a greater deal of investigation to find out that there were drug, there was a meth lab in a house that they didn't find right. than kids in a house that they did find. That says to me that they had an informant, and that's all they did. Mm-hmm. And it happens all the time. Informants give bad information because they don't want to be in trouble. They'll, do, they'll just say anything. Let me out of here. Well, that's why torture works. Right. It's, well, it doesn't work. That's why torture doesn't work is because people will give any kind of bad information. I know. But that's the argument that they like to say is that, you know, they're so desperate to prove uh, some kind of wrongdoing that they'll go, they're willing to go on bad information. Because, like you said, there's not really consequences uh, for their actions if it's wrong. The yellow cake claim from Iraq was gleaned through torture of somebody in Egypt through the CIA's uh, rendition program. So, I mean, the whole claim that went on in Iraq, and there was some corroboration that went on too, but the uh, the beginning of that claim was torture mm-hmm. and getting bad information. So the mother says, I'd like to see whoever threw those grenades in my daughter's room be reprimanded. If anybody else did this, it would have been aggravated assault. I just want to see the city is held accountable for what they did to my children. She's asking for a reprimand yeah. of the person who did this, but I don't think we're ever going to see accountability in How our police even, departments at least until, ask them to until be, they're accountable. At least ask them to be fired or something. I mean, people will just, maybe this this woman, and you know, I feel like terrible for this family, but why would, why does she only want them to be reprimanded? Why, if it was a, like, if this happened in a McDonald's, she would be like, that employee better get fired. I don't ever want to see them working here again. It's the insanity of authority. When, you know, we've, we've looked at the Milgram experiments, we've looked at the, the prison experiments, and we've looked at these things, and people don't hold others responsible that have been ordered to do something. But they want to hold the person who's been ordered to, who ordered it either. So it's this crazy kind of culpability thing. 855-450-3733. What do you think should be done in this circumstance? 855-450-FREE. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. 
855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. You can call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Allie. I want to tell you about, real quick, the Free State Project. Allie, both you and I moved up here to New Hampshire for the Free State Project. That's right. And real quick, in your words, Free State Project, what is it? Free State Project is a movement to get liberty-loving people to New Hampshire so that we're better able to cooperate either, you know, civil disobedience or inside the system activism, whatever it is that floats your boat and you see, you know, furthering liberty. You move here and you have people around you that will support you. And so the idea is to get um, 20,000 people to pick, right. up, pick up their lives and move. At this point, 1,000 people have and about 13,000 have signed up to do that. And actually, it's 1,000 in-state somewhere here already when, the free state, when New Hampshire was picked for the Free State Project, if I need to be exact on this. But, you know, it's, things are already happening. The state budget has already been cut by 12% in New Hampshire. There are several, you know, more than a dozen Free Staters that have been elected and like more than 100 New Hampshire House representatives have been endorsed by the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. There's a lot of things happening in New Hampshire. If you care about liberty and the liberty of other people, it may be that the Free State Project's for you. Go check it out at freestateproject.org. Get signed up and, you know, get prepared to move. It's a freestateproject.org. So the uh, we, we were talking in this uh, incidence where a, uh, you know, a girl, 12 years old, was burned by a flashbang grenade that went off right next to her. It blew a large chunk, you know, dent in the wall about two feet round and burned her. And, you know, I can only imagine the damage that was done to their eardrums. Apparently, there, you know, the idea was that there was a meth lab in the house. The police did not confiscate a meth lab and did not uh, make any arrests. So what is the point of using these flash grenades? To disorient people. So the if this went on in the house, you'd be mm-hmm. like, what the heck was that? And then, mm-hmm. you know, they, you'd be disoriented and the cops would come through. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe yelling police would have been sufficient. Maybe not. Right. I mean, usually they just run in there like, like barge, the, kick the door in and then start pointing guns at people. Flashbang grenades are very common in these no-knock raids. And there are 40,000 of them going on in the, in the United States every year. And Americans just don't seem to care that that's happening. I've got another story. Here, this is uh, from News Channel 6, WJBF.com. Richmond County Sheriff's investigators raid the wrong house, hold a family at gunpoint. Investigators um, with the Richmond County Sheriff's Office say they accidentally served a search warrant on the wrong house while looking for a suspected drug dealer in Burke County. This sounds like deja vu. Oh, it happens all the time. Yeah, they do this, you know, they're not even, you would think that if you're going to do a raid that you would want to be really, really sure that you got the right house. Well, if you make a mistake 1% of the time in your business, you're doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are, people make mistakes all the time, but with 40,000 drug raids in this country, one mistake, 1%, a 1% mistake is 400 bad drug raids. Well, yeah, because it would depend on what your business does, right? So if you're making fast food, then, you know, you could get away with making a mistake 5% of the time because who cares if you didn't put pickles on the hamburger? Right. If you're talking about raiding people's homes, then you want to get that as close to zero as humanly possible. It's nuts. Um, But I don't think you can get it, uh, you know, 
I don't think you can get it down to zero. The problem, and I don't think it's 1%, by the way. <laughs> I don't know what the percentage right. is. But um, I would suspect that there is more than 1% mistakes made. I mean, police would have to be superhuman to only mistake uh, to make mistakes 1% of the time. But the, I mean, and these stories, they just go completely unreported by but, mainstream yeah, media. I mean, how much do, um, I mean, most of what I know about the way the police work is based on these stories and what I see on TV, right? So I don't really know how it works, but... It seems like they do factor in uh, the media when they make their decisions. Like that is somehow they're kind of at odds with the media, not at odds, but they're worried about the media might say if they mess up. Right. So that influences their decision making to, to, to some degree, I would have to say. And if the media doesn't report on these things, if they're if it's not a big going to be a big story, then why should they care so much if they have the right house? You know, the local media tends to report on these. Um, that's where we get the stories from. Right. But they, you know, you don't see generally the national media putting this together. You don't say, look, it happened here. It happened in Billings. It happened in Richmond near Augusta, Georgia. And, um, you know, putting these stories together. So here's uh, Susan Treat says, this is the woman whose uh, uh, house this was, says she was standing in her laundry room just a few feet from the back door when Richmond and Burke County Sheriff's Officer burst through the door looking for a suspected drug dealer. Treat says she thought her family's lives were in danger and she thought the officers were there to help. But she knew that wasn't the case when she says at gunpoint the police ordered her her pregnant daughter, and her three-year-old granddaughter to get on the floor. Oh, my God. Can somebody out there in Radio Land at 855-450-3733 explain to me why you would put a three-year-old on the floor at gunpoint when looking for a drug dealer? Well, you know, the three-year-olds can have tantrums and get in the way of things. I guess. They shoot but, dogs. I mean, you can't convince a three-year-old like, with a gun to do anything. They, they shoot, like, these small, like, uh, you know, very small dogs that are obviously not going to get in their way. They do all kinds of stuff that's non-threatening, and they just they just want obedience from everyone. And yeah, what they've done if the child hadn't gone gotten on the floor, what they done? Well, I, I you know I think dogs are threatening in a house, and the, that dogs will bite people that don't belong there, and they don't see badges. Um, what I think the problem is is the police coming in people's you know yards well that's why people get dogs is for security and when the cops are just coming in there people with guns out of their house (laughs) (laughs) but these people with guns have badges too and these badges give them the right to shoot your animal Mm -hmm. and put your three-year-old and your pregnant uh, daughter on the floor and just do what they want so anyway treat says that her family uh excuse me uh, two officers were standing over me uh, on top of me with guns she says the officers searched her house For almost an hour, she says, cussing and calling her a liar. If you'd have been using cuss words in front of my four-year-old son, I would be very... That's how old he is. I mean, this is a three-year-old we're talking about here. I'd be really angry. Kids pick up words. Yeah, but that's kind of trivial compared to what they've already done in the situation. I understand, but... You know, I mean, it's it's one of the things that can't be undone. It's a lack of professionalism. My, My son doesn't know these words. And I don't need you coming in my house, knocking my stuff over, pointing guns at me, and teaching him these bad words. Right. Although, I mean, for God's sakes, we pay these police officers, and they're walking around cussing at people. A police officer shouldn't be cussing at a at a rapist. He should never use the word. 
Mm-hmm. He should never be using these words. Not in dealing with the public. You want to go home and cuss at your kid and cuss at your wife? Go right ahead. You want to cuss with your friends? Fine. Mm-hmm. You put that uniform on, you say a cuss word, and you should lose your job. Well, it helps to intimidate people. I, I guess. I mean, you don't think the badge and the gun are enough? These people went on right on the floor. They they pull out all the stops as far as intimidating people. They'll do everything. I mean, it doesn't... It doesn't require them to be professionals about it. They're not there well, they kicking down your door and, and pointing guns at you to be professional. They claim professionalism. If you're going to claim professionalism, you need to act like it. Mm-hmm. Because nobody's going to say we want the cussing police squad. No community, and these are supposed to be, that badge is supposed to be an emblem that the community gives the police officer to imbue them, to make them an agent of their power and authority. No one's going to say, we want the cussing officers on our squad. Well, people will say, you know, if you knew what these cops saw on a daily basis, then you would cut them a break. I mean, what are I'll they supposed to do? I'll be happy to, to cut them a break. You got all the break in the world. You cuss, you're out of here. That's it. No more cussing. It's easy. If every police officer was that cussed while in uniform was fired, you wouldn't see any more cussing for police officers. They'd immediately change their ways. I actually don't even really care so much about the cussing when I'm honest about it. I do. It doesn't bother me. And they take my taxes to pay their paycheck. You care about other things, and that's fine, and you should get that service out of your police I officers. also don't have kids, so I don't know. Maybe that would change my mind. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure it would, um, but you know, maybe it wouldn't. Well, anyway, we'll take your phone calls. Uh, 855-450-3733, live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. We've been talking about police misconduct and the drug, the war on drugs and the, the foreseeable consequences to those things here on uh, Free Talk Live this evening with Mark. And Allie. If you're looking for camping, hunting, survival, or shooting gear, manventureoutpost.com is the place to get it. You can get ammunition, knives, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment, whatever you need for the outdoor enthusiast in your life, be that you or someone you love, you can get it there. And you'll get it at the best prices. The best prices I've seen and I believe that you're going to see. Before you buy any outdoor equipment, go to manventureoutpost.com. You can get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. At manventureoutpost.com. Coupon code FTL, manventureoutpost.com. Let's go straight into the calls here. Um, let's take 
Sorry, I'm having a technical difficulty here. Bobby in Lakeland, Florida. Bobby, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Yeah, um, when my cell phone's coming through, I just found your guy's show um, last night and uh, was looking through the website, and I just said, uh, I just wanted to say I like the show, and uh, you've got a, a long-time listener. I'm going to start listening now. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Bobby. Anything uh, okay. anything specific you want to talk about, or just let us know you're uh, out there? No, I just like that guy from copblog.org. Um, I think it's crazy, you know, um, when you're taping the cops and stuff, the wiretapping laws, and um, I think uh, abuse of power is uh, going real, real bad from, from the police brutality and you know, I've encountered um, police officers be pretty rude and stuff, and I've gotten pulled over, and they always want to check because, you know, I'm I'm 22, and they, I mean, they always ask to search me, no matter what, mm-hmm. even if I'm not even doing anything, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, and I know my rights, so I tell them no. I always tell them no. Yeah, and uh, videotape, video is the only th- way that we're ever going to be able to hold uh, people accountable. Right. I also they're happen to be... They're going to get the dogs. They're going to bring the dogs out, and they usually never do. I happen to be the same age as you, and... Uh, in Alabama, I felt the same way. Like if I was getting pulled over, they're going to want to search my car. It didn't matter why they're pulling me over. But since moving to New Hampshire, uh, you know, I haven't been pulled over once and not really hassled by the cops. Like I don't feel like I'm being uh, singled out, singled out for being young. Like I felt like from, you know, like I was in Alabama. So I don't know how much that has to do with just, you know, the cops and where you're from, but they definitely do single out young people because they assume that we're all on drugs, which is some degree that's true. Yeah, people are more likely to uh, <laughs> yeah. do drugs than older people, I would say. Yeah, they do. But I, just, I don't think it's right. I mean, they always thirst me. Never can pull over for anything, and I always tell them no. And I, and I never have anything on me, anyways. Do uh, what's that? What happens generally when you tell them no? Usually, they don't search, oh, or okay. do they do? Look, well, what he'll do, he'll hem haw a little bit, and then um, he'll go back and take my license and run it or whatever, and he'll usually. You know, if it's like a traffic violation, you know, I'll, I'll get, you know, I'll, I always get the ticket. I never get a warning or anything. Right. Somebody who says you know, no on a search isn't going to get away me, without a ticket. Yeah. Sometimes they'll tell me that, you know, if they let me search, you know, you might be able to just let me off with a warning. You know, I just tell them no anyways. I just don't want to move in my car. So I usually don't ever get a warning, though. No, I'd, if, look, pal, you want to search my car and I don't get a ticket, that's fine. You want to make that deal now. Let's make it on video. Right. You know, I'd, I'd like to be able to uh, to make sure that that's the case. As long as you promise to put everything back exactly where you found it. Mm-hmm. Because what they'll do is they'll rip the panels off and leave your crap lying on the side of the road sometimes. Bobby, that's thanks for I the call. Yeah, oh, I agree. I, I, oh, yeah, they could. They they can always find something that you, you that, that wasn't there. You know, seed or something left or I don't know anything. They could plant something. It, it ha- it's happened. It's not, it's not like it's never happened. Bobby, thanks for the call. 855-450-3733. It is shocking to me that people will trust police to search their car. I mean, there's a problem of they could pretend they could find something that wasn't actually there. Uh, there could be stuff in your car that you don't even know was there before that someone else put there. That can definitely happen, especially if it was like a used car or something, and they suspect that there might be, you know, if they tear it apart and look under the seats, you don't know what's in your car. It's true. I mean, it's, you know, I'm sure that's happened to other people, and it's happened to me. Uh, you know, I was in a situation where, I, you know, the police off, uh, police asked to search, and, uh, you know, I was I spent nine years in prison, and I was certain there wasn't anything in my cell. But the guy who had been there before me, I wasn't sure about. And they mm-hmm. searched so thoroughly, they found something that was there before. It was the sheer look of shock on my face 
because I was, you know, goading them like, you're wasting your time, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the sheer look of shock on my face, I believe, is what got me out of trouble. Wow. Happens. 855-450-3733. Let's go to David in Keene, listening to 94.3. Good evening, Allie and, and Mark. What's Hi, going Dave. on, David? Hi. Um, I was going to say about, like, I noticed Mark was upset about the uh, swearing and stuff in the house. Which mm-hmm. I can completely understand because um, I wouldn't like it either. And the police just seem like they stomp around like, I don't have to respect you. And that swearing is just another. When you go into somebody's home, you're supposed to be respectful. Would we, would we, would we want a plumber to be swearing and disrespectful in our house around our family? I, I don't think so. They're and serving they, and protecting. And we're forced to pay for the police, right? So I am 100% on board with your umbrage on that, Mark. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of people think that um, using cuss words will take away their their strength. And I don't disagree with that statement. I think that uh, the F-bomb these days is not nearly the powerful word it was when I was younger or whatever. But I think that parents should be able to choose and people should be able to sh- – sh- people should not be uh, – subjected to cussing if they don't want it, especially in their home. Mm-hmm. So if we're forced to pay for police officers, I mean, those those uniforms, those badges, those cars, everything that they've got on them, except for their underpants, we bought. And if they're going to go around using that language while they're on duty, right. I, I think that the easiest way to stop that is just start firing a few of them. Suddenly, cussing is going to drop dramatically. Right. I don't see... I don't I think it's kind of silly though that people get um upset about cussing frankly. I mean, I assume the reason that you want you don't want to be cussing around your kid is because you want to preserve it so that it's more special when he's of age so that when he cusses it means something, right? <laughs> I what do I think? I think that you know when, your kid's going to be cussing at some yeah, point. I think that when children of a certain age use certain words, it makes the parents look bad. In the same way that you put on nice clothes when you leave, leave the house, mm-hmm. you we leave the house with a kid that doesn't know how to cuss, and it shows it shows a, a a sort of a level of upbringing. It shows a certain class and attention to to uh, things, and you know that's that's how it is. You know if my my kid went to the the Waldorf school in town uh, cussing like a sailor what's that going to say about my family it's more about appearances and not sure letting is. the like I can see what you're saying because the way your kids act really uh, shows a lot about your home life that you might not want other people to know you might be really great at at disguising what it's really like to live with you but once you have a kid I mean people are going to find out what it's like David Oh, hi. Um, I was just listening, and it, it was good. Um, well, I was just going to say uh, as a as a closer that obviously that the swearing is like the, the lowest part of, of uh, the, the bad stuff. Oh, I'd rather get cussed at than shot at. Do. There's no doubt yeah, about it. Absolutely. Thank you, David. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, no doubt, and we, we'll go on with the story just a little bit further here of what happened in Georgia. But, you know, I get it. It's just an easy thing to make a rule about. You put that uniform on and that badge is in place, no cussing. Do you think that End would change story. more than just their language if they were expected to act professionally? I, I Maybe it would send a message about professionalism, but maybe it wouldn't. It would really mm-hmm. be about what they... I think that the in, in the intro, introductory time period that they would be... Uh, the, 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 
you would be able to introduce more professionalism into the policing environment. Or you could just let things be the same except for the cussing, Mm -hmm. and then people would get used to whatever that was, that circumstance. If you're having an argument with someone, and then the first person to start introducing cussing into the argument, now all of a sudden, like, uh, the language sounds more violent, right? Yep. So if the people involved in the argument are prone to violence, that makes it more likely that violence could happen, right? So I could see maybe that, you know... I don't know that making a rule against cops cussing would really make them less violent, but I don't think that the cussing helps the situation. I think it pumps them up more. I think when they start cussing, uh, it makes the likelihood that they're going to hurt you uh, go up. Well, I also think, yeah, I think that um, I, I think that anybody who's cussing cussing appears to be more threatening. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons to do it. It's to be more passionate. People pay attention to me a little more. Right. Um, 855-450-3733. Your thoughts on it are welcome. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. A science fiction comic adventure from Big Head Press. Quantum Vibe. It's year 2523. There are colonies on Venus, Mars, and Mercury. People travel in bubbles, fly at hyperspeed. With brain implants and artificial gravity. A scientific genius and his clever assistant set out on an adventure through the solar system on a secret mission to find the key to access new frontiers and save liberty. Quantum Five. There's a robot girl and zany creatures made with genetically engineered features. And corporate villains crave the opportunity to steal a profit from mother's ingenuity. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about here on the the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Allie. 855-450-3733. Let's go straight into the calls, Allie. All right. Got Aaron Aaron in uh, Ohio. Aaron, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hi, Mark. This is uh, Aaron. I called in two weeks ago, actually, when Stephanie was on. Okay. Abortion versus uh, capital punishment, and your response to it was quite insightful. And in that humans are imperfect, and uh, judgment passed by them is not necessarily true. I had a unique experience to sit on a murder trial um, not too long ago, about a year and a half, mm-hmm. where it was a hung jury. This man had been sitting in holding for nine years. It's nine years before his trial? Yes. No, no, no. He was convicted. Okay. It was overturned. Okay. Then there was a, uh, a mistrial, and then there was a hung jury. Yep. And then they retried him again. 
They offered him a plea bargain of 10 years with one suspended, counting time served. He would have walked through that day. Right. He instead chose to go to trial. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, a jury should know this information. This should be brought up in trial. If a prosecutor offers a plea bargain, that mm-hmm. needs to be brought up. And, um, you know, I mean, th- that that's important. Absolutely. And what did this guy do in response to the plea bargain? Because a person who refused nine years, that when they had done nine years, basically time served for a murder char- charge, somebody, right. I think, is right. innocent. Because the plea plea bargain system uh it incentivizes guilty people to get off right i mean it's it's good for the guilty it's bad for the innocent also i think that people should be paid for every day that they're in county jail before they're convicted um i mean if the reason you're supposed to be in county jail is because either a you're a danger to society like it's demonstrable or b you're a flight risk but they just throw everybody in there all kinds of people in there and that's society saying that you need to be incarcerated before right. you've been found guilty. Because in this country, we presume people to be innocent until they're found guilty. So this country, this society, should compensate people who have not, who, who are in county jail before they have been uh, convicted. It's not even all kinds of people. It's predominantly black males who people always talk about how they're not there for their kids. Well, what do you expect when they're running away in jail? Could be the case. Aaron? Very true. In this case, it was a blue-collar white guy, but my particular question is, is the system even good as far as the imperfect people judging people who are supposedly convicted? In my experience, the jury was six for and six against as soon as we walked in the the, uh, room for deliberations. Mm -hmm. And it it became very obvious very quickly that those six people made up their minds regardless of the evidence. And after three days of deliberation, they conceded every point that we could not prove that he was there by any stretch of the imagination. There was nothing to tie him to that location at the time of the murder. But they still chose to convict. Wow. I mean... (laughs) They, I mean, what did they say in response to, do you have a reasonable doubt? The judge, the, the lawyer in the black robe, said right. that you're not supposed to find him guilty unless, if, unless you uh, is beyond a reasonable doubt. But you seem to have a reasonable doubt. Do you have a reasonable doubt? Absolutely. I mean, and... So every, everyone in the room said, oh, well, yeah, you're right. He could be innocent, but I have a feeling he's guilty. That's not a reasonable doubt. I know. Maybe the feeling is being passed on by the prosecution. I mean, the prosecution in all these situations is the authority figure. They're the ones that people just sort of bend their will to because that's the easiest thing to do. And that's another thing I noticed that in jury selection, they seem to pick people who were, I guess, emotional in their choice making. It seemed to be more of a pitch from one side versus the other to evoke a heartstring response, either in favor of the girl or a heartstring response to this wrongly convicted individual or wrongly incarcerated individual. It I, wasn't about facts. I have heard this from defense lawyers that basically you're not going to get your client off unless you can point the finger at somebody else who did it. You know, mm-hmm. that, that people want the criminal. And as long as they don't find the criminal, then your client has got it, whatever it is. Right. Uh, you know, the, the, the police have said you're it, so you must be it unless there's right. somebody else who's it. Well, people see the state as the good guy. 
And so they know that there's a bad guy somewhere and it fits the narrative in their minds is that, well, obviously the state's a good guy in the situation. So, you know, they've picked out this person's a bad guy and the good guy can do no wrong. Right. And I agree with you, Mark. If he would have known, if he would have known the plea bargain situation going into the trial, I think it would have greatly changed the discussion. Yeah, I'm sorry. Juries just don't listen to their instructions anymore. I mean, I don't know if they ever did. Uh, there was certainly a lot of evidence of people being uh, getting off from criminal charges, um, you know, in the earlier part of the 20th century on back um, in this country. But at some point or another, Americans decided we live in the best country on Earth and it just can't do no wrong. And the suggestion that humans, which are the people that populate the government of this country and every other country, can do no wrong is, uh, you know, a sad, sycophantic, uh, sycophantic thought. Aaron, I do thank you for the call. It's not even just that the uh, government is made up of people, but the government's incentive structure, it's like they're more likely to make mistakes. Like people should be extra, extra uh, suspect, uh, suspecting of government, you know, when it comes to their claims and people just take them for their word. If government claims something, I'm I mean, I'm an anarchist, but I'm less likely to believe it. Anarchists wear black and throw Molotov cocktails. (laughs) Not me. Breaking the mold. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think you're an anarchist, but we can talk about that later. Let's talk to uh, Richard. Richard, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? I wanted to comment earlier on the use of the flashbang. Yeah. I'm a retired uh, lieutenant from the sheriff's department in Florida. Okay. And you said it was supposed to be a meth lab? The uh, the allegation is is the the intelligence the police had on this uh, circumstance. This is out of the Missoulin at Missoulin dot com, and it occurred in Billings, Montana. Was that they believed that they had intelligence that this was a meth lab, this house? Okay, materials used in making meth is volatile, and you would not throw an explosive device into a house that would have those fumes. Good point. It would probably blow the entire house up. Interesting. I mean, that is just ludicrous and stupid on the part of the law enforcement. Right. Thank God it wasn't a meth lab, right? Could have killed everyone (laughs) in the house. Because um, if I remember correctly, they use ether, which is extremely volatile. Yeah, I mean... Along with other chemicals. You know, I wish I'd have thought of this uh, during the the story, and I really thank you for calling in and making this point, Richard, is, is that, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. I wonder... You know, sometimes um, the reporters will get things wrong, like they'll say that Mm -hmm. it was a drug lab. And, you know, like the fact is, having been involved in the news long enough, I know that every news story has facts that are wrong in it. Mm -hmm. And I wonder and I wonder if this is one of those circumstances. Well, anyway, and also the part about the no knock warrant, they run a risk in states that have especially. Second Amendment is very important to you. Yeah. Like Florida. And Montana. I mean, somebody kicks my door in and not tells me that they're law enforcement, I'm going to shoot the first person through the door. And, you know, now, Richard, I've had a lot of, you know, having worked with law enforcement, uh, you know, a good part of, portion of my life, I know that, um, you know, people that commit crimes will often say, police or whatever, when they do their crime in order to disorient whoever their victim is. Have you experienced this? Yeah, they would have to be in uniform, certainly. You know, because uh, I've taught firearms, 
I taught procedure. I was SWAT team. I was a certified sniper. And having almost 25 years, I never had to take a life. Thank goodness. There's 12 people that I could have had. Richard, thank you for the call. 855-450-3733. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. You likely buy all kinds of things online. Amazon is the largest online retailer. You can get what you need at the same prices with free super saver shipping by going to shop.freetalklive.com. Please do your online shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Give us a call. Talk about anything that's on your mind, 855-450-3733 here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Allie. So we have been talking about a couple of incidents here on Free Talk Live this evening, but one in particular that's really kind of an upsetting one that Richard just called in as a former law enforcement officer, lieutenant, mm-hmm. made it you know up the ranks a bit, was a raid in Billings, Montana. On a house that apparently the police believed was a meth lab. And he pointed out, and it's interesting, like none of us caught it, um, right. that uh, the, the police officer, you know, he puts he puts the facts together and comes up with a story. And he says that it couldn't, uh, you know, it couldn't have been a meth lab situation or it was really irresponsible of this police department, either one way or the other, to, to put uh, meth labs, they use ether to mm-hmm. make meth, ether's volatile. Putting a flashbang grenade off in a house that's full of ether, allegedly full of ether, is going to be very bad for everybody, mm-hmm. including the police going through that door. And so it made me go back and look in the article. And so, and it's important with the news articles. We just had one written about us, Ian and I, from the TSA incident. And I read this, the article and, you know, there's- Who wrote it? There's some factual errors. Uh, a guy named Fish. I'd have to go and uh, find okay. his uh, byline, but I don't have it sitting in front of me. <clears throat> and he's a TSA reporter. And reporters always get some stuff wrong. Mm-hmm. It's their job is to minimize the amount of things they get wrong, but they always do. And it's just the nature of their business. When you're writing a story about something, when you weren't there, you're going to get some stuff wrong. Mm-hmm. So I went through this article, and I just want to make it clear. In this case, the article from the Missoulin.com from a uh, gentleman named Zach Benoit. This is the claim of the mother is that they were looking for a simple knock at the door. I would have let them in, she said. And this is referring to Feishing, who is the mother there. I don't have the first name right here in front of me, but I know that that's the mother. Um, They said their intel told them there was a meth lab at our house. If we would have checked, then they would have known that there was not. So So that's what they told her? Well, that's what she says Mm -hmm. to the reporter who then reports it to us. So this is like the game of telephone. Um, Who knows if they even quoted her correctly? Who knows if the the reporter quoted her correctly? Mm -hmm. Who knows if she quoted the cops correctly? And who knows? Police have no obligation to tell you the truth. That's true. Who knows if the cops are telling her accurate information? We know the, all we know is that they, they they did it. They didn't find anything. They found some evidence, quote unquote evidence, and no arrests were made. Well, 
the police, if they really wanted to, could have put out an official reason why they did it in the first place. They could have, I mean, I would hope that the reporters would uh, not trust the cops word over, you know, the victim. But at least if the cops had said something counter to they were looking for a meth lab, then that would be included in the story. And they obviously didn't. Clearly, they um, they were willing. Whatever it was, it was worth going in. I think it was like six a.m. And this uh, the, the, the the girls were asleep. Yep, six a.m. Um, it was worth going into this house for that reason. And all they did was take some evidence. We we don't know what that is. And um, you know, they, at this point, the mother's talking about suing. So I don't know, but obviously, they're claiming they didn't know that there were kids in the house, and they're claiming they had intel about this being you know a drug operation. So I say. They didn't do their homework because they didn't even know there were kids there. They knew there were drugs there. They believe there. They had enough information to believe there were drugs there, but they didn't mm-hmm. have enough information to know that there were kids there. I think it's a lot easier to observe a house and know that there are kids in the house than there is to observe a house and find out there's drugs right. there. Well, they're at war. They don't. They don't have time to think about kids, the children. They're just thinking about getting the drugs. Well, uh, and I. It could very well be an informant with bad information, but they're not going to tell us that. Let's go to Mitchell, Corpus Christi. Mitchell, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, just I was just listening to you a little bit about the. Uh, you were talking. One of the caller calling about the murder trial and the uh, the beyond a reasonable doubt standard. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I am a 30 year law enforcement veteran, uh, still licensed, and a 25 year trial attorney. And I've tried probably a that's unusual. Trials. Okay, and uh, you know, and I don't do criminal; I do civil, but I am familiar with the standards. And beyond a reasonable doubt is the highest standard we have right. in the law. Right. Uh, and that's because you're dealing with people's freedoms. Right. And civil is something lower than that. What is, what's the terminology? Uh, preponderance of the evidence. That's what it is. And, and mm. what I do with when I'm, and, and, and by the way, people always refer to it as picking a jury. You really don't pick a jury. You, you cross out people's names. When you get your strikes, and then you end up with the twelve people that you end up with, makes sense. That's yeah. that's how the system works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I always have done, and I found it very effective uh, in a civil case, I would take two unopened reams of copy cop, uh, copy paper mm-hmm. uh, from you know Office Depot, and I would explain to them the difference between a civil and a criminal case, and that in a civil case, I would take out one piece of paper out of one ream and lay it on the other ream of copy paper and say, I have just proven my case. Now, is there anybody here on the panel that's going to make me prove my case at a higher standard? Uh, now, in a, in a criminal case, beyond a reasonable doubt, you basically got to take the state, uh, which has the burden of proof. Right. Uh, you have to take, literally, in my example, one ream of copy paper and put it on the other stack of copy paper, and that's your burden of proof. If that makes sense, it doesn't to me. Could you, um, you know, this must make sense when you tell it to juries. So run it by me one more time, Mitchell, and and don't worry about time. Okay. Well, another way that that I explain it to to jurors is that I use the old fashioned the scales of justice. You know, the the Lady Liberty. And I I got it. Yeah. So the pieces yeah. of paper are each a weight, and if there's enough weight on, if, if there's, you know, 51% of weight on one side of the scale, uh-huh. then you win. I but see. if in the other case, it has to be all the weights are one, one side and no evidence essentially points to the other. That's, that's correct. And that's, Got it. that's the difference in the standards of proof between criminal cases and civil cases. 
Have you ever uh, have you ever had an opportunity to represent anybody in a in a criminal case, or is it all civil? No, no, I've never uh, never handled criminal cases. I've uh, in my law enforcement career, I've certainly have put a lot of people in jail, and yep. certainly have testified in the, uh, various cases. Why uh, do you, Why do you think it is that sixty percent of felony cases people are found guilty when fewer than one percent of arrests end up in trial? I mean, it would seem to me that if somebody takes uh, their arrest, their 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 charge, all the way to a trial, when the vast majority of people take a, a plea bargain, that the that a good percentage of those people must be not guilty. Do you think it is that just that uh, jurors go in with the belief, the predisposition that people that have been charged are guilty? I I have to disagree with you. I, I and again, this is based on a, you know a lot of experience. In yeah, the I'm listening. Um, You're not disagreeing that sixty percent of felonies are found guilty, right? Oh yeah, probably more than that. Okay, great. I think but, it's sixty. I think sixty to sixty-six. I I can't yeah. remember. Well, I I think that that for the most part, jurors get it right. Uh, you know, and, and you know, and, and you get the, on the civil side, you get the crazy verdicts, the zillions of dollars. Yeah, uh, they just have sure. no basis in the evidence, and then. We all know that there are some uh, uh, criminal defendants that get convicted and the DNA comes out later on and they're innocent. And and, and I understand that. But for the most part, I really believe, based on my years, that juries tend to get it right. Hmm. They just do. Interesting. Thanks for the call, Mitchell. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Your thoughts. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. You like your friends. You like Free Talk Live. Like your friends enough to share something you like with them. Help Free Talk Live get into more ears. Podcast listeners are the most important area of growth for Free Talk Live. Please share one episode a week on Facebook. Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line. 855-450-3733. Call in. Talk about anything you want to talk about. Just had um, a law enforcement officer call in. Uh, it was Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think it's great that we're getting the cops calling in tonight. And, I know. Uh, it must us, be you. It's not me. Giving us the uh, the, the lowdown here. And um, it's nice to get the, the you know the pros and telling us how things go. It is nice to, to hear from the cops themselves how it goes. But I, he said, Mitchell said that he thinks that juries tend to get it right. And I don't know a lot about courtrooms or the procedures. Uh, definitely not as much as Mitchell, but... Uh, I have been very disappointed with juries before and uh, like lost all my faith in jury nullification, uh, especially with the Damo Freeman's trial. And I got to say that that was the worst defense I've ever seen. I mean, well, I've seen a lot of bad defenses up here in the Free State Project with uh, activists representing themselves. And I love I was touched by his defense personally, but... Then again, he I know him. Point out anything that has to do with the law. I know that and you're you're critical legal, of this defense. It's but, a legal system, not a justice system. Yeah, but the law is not nearly as romantic as a man fighting for what he thinks is right. I 
Like, if I were a juror and they started just talking about the law, I would just be like, well, whatever. I'm just going to go with my conscience, I guess. I hear you. Um, you know, they, these people are told in, in before deliberation that they are to decide based on the law. Now, they, they don't get much information. Here in New Hampshire, this will be the first state in the union where they get uh, jury nullification information beforehand. Which is awesome. Which will tell advise them to not just judge based on the law, but judge based on what you think is right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where it starts. If you want to have a, a judicial system as opposed to a legal system, uh, then you need to – justice is going to be dispensed from what's right and wrong, not from what's legal and illegal. And what Mitchell's claim was is that generally juries get it right. And I tend to agree with you, Allie. The trials I've seen, but all the trials I've seen – Large, most of the trials I've seen have had have had to do with activists right. out there who are arrested for doing things that they consider to be right and just. Right. A lot of them are a lot of things they do are controversial, and it's really not fair because the jury is just if even if it's a random selection from people in your town, all these people went to public school or not all necessarily, but most these people went to public schools. Most Meaning? These, uh, that I think that. The public school system personally, you know, having gone to public school, that uh, they don't teach you to be skeptical of the government where I think people should. So the government school system teaches you to believe that the government is generally right? Right. Shocker. I know. I know the Christian school that I went to generally taught you to believe that the Bible and preachers were generally right. Yep. So, I mean, that was the experience that I had. So it doesn't surprise me. Um, and I certainly went right. to government school, too. And I don't think that schools in general spend much time educating people on critical thinking skills at all. I, having been in prison myself for nine years, I didn't meet a lot of people that I thought were innocent. I did mm-hmm. meet a few. And, um, you know, I I don't have a whole bunch of uh, faith in jury. Most of them, by the way, weren't convicted at a jury trial. And most people that do take it to a jury trial are going to maintain their innocence all the way to the, the door. What, to me, the, the statistics, there are, of all the people arrested, and there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people arrested in this country. I know that there are uh, more than 100,000 drug arrests every year, as I believe what the numbers are. So I'm just extrapolating from there. So at least hundreds of thousands of arrests in this country per year. And fewer than 1% of those arrests go to trial. That means of that 99 point whatever percent that doesn't go to trial, some of those cases are dropped and, you know, no prost and all that other stuff. And mm-hmm. then some of them, most of them are plea bargains right where somebody takes a plea bargain in order not to go to trial some of those plea bargains those people are innocent and they didn't sort of understand or they didn't have the money or they were scared or whatever they took a plea bargain and they didn't take it to trial it's difficult for people to feel bad for them in those circumstances until they know what it's like for somebody to be in that circumstance but that's not really what i'm talking about here And so then you have this less than 1%, and I don't know how much less. I really can't find that information out. Mm -hmm. But let's call it 0.5% of people that do take it to trial. Now, some of those people are going to be guilty because they're going to be bluffing, as it were, in poker. And some of them are going to be innocent. But you would think that the people willing to take it all the way to trial would be a larger percentage represented of innocent people. And to me, that would mean that more than half of them would probably be innocent and juries are finding people 
um, guilty of somewhere between 60 and 66 percent on felonies. We don't, I don't have information on misdemeanors and sending them off to jail. Now, the numbers that we have as far as innocent people in jail is estimated to be somewhere between 10 and 15 percent. Now, that's not people that are in jail for. How do they estimate that? I've only read the Innocence Projects and people who, okay. you know, people who have access, more access to information than I do. And okay. I don't know, you know, how you extrapolate that. And I can't imagine that there aren't. I mean, think about your life. Don't you make I mean, this is a this is a system full of people, people mm-hmm. who are not responsible for their actions. Prosecuting attorneys do not go to jail for sending people who are innocent to jail. Mm-hmm. There's no consequences for their actions in that way. Don't you make 10 or 15 percent of the decisions you make are bad ones? It seems like that's not a terrible, you know, terrible number for to me. Right. So I'm not surprised that 10 or 15 percent of the people in, in jail are, are innocent. Well, in, we're talking about innocent of breaking the law, at least as far as I'm sure all those people have. Everyone that's has broken the law about. at some point, yes. breaking whatever, whatever they got charged with. They're innocent of that. And most but I disagree with most laws. So like as far in my mind, most of the people in in who are incarcerated shouldn't be so these are malum prohibitum laws laws where you there is no victim right exactly victim is the state yeah i I think that probably more than half of the people in jail uh didn't hurt anyone and that's sad to me i think that that's probably an accurate statement um having been in prison that there's a lot of people in there for possession and when you consider that what crime what the drug war creates around it where people who would not otherwise commit violence how many of those people there are i suggest that if you got rid of prohibition tomorrow finally just got killed the beast that is prohibition in this country that your your crimes would drop by 80 percent you don't see anybody hold you very rarely do you see somebody holding somebody up for a pack of cigarettes mm-hmm. or a bottle of or the money for a pack of cigarettes or a bottle of liquor they can get these things because they're relatively cheap whereas heroin and Meth and these things, they're not. And so you have burglaries and holdups and robberies and killings and things that go on over these drugs and over the territory to sell those drugs. You don't see Walgreens fighting it out with CVS, not physically. Right. I mean, I'm not tackling you for some caffeine or whatever. Like, I've got access to caffeine. (laughs) Uh, And I wonder, you know, you've been to prison. Do you think that? The conditions uh, that prisoners are subjected subjected to can make them violent, make them the kind of people that you might be afraid of. Or sure. do you think that it you basically stay the same? Sure. I think that um, absolutely the conditions in which you keep somebody are going to have an effect. But I don't know that I think that the uh, the bleeding heart uh, types can really design a prison. I think you need to I think people need to have hope and they need to have skills in order to do better. But I think in a lot of cases, they're working with people that are tend to be mm-hmm. sort of psychologically broken right. um, in the beginning. Well, isn't the but point of prison? if you take prison... bad people and put them in a bad place with other bad people and treat them badly, mm-hmm. I, I, that changes everything. And I think to some extent, it's a systemic – to some extent, it's a systemic issue with the attitude of prison guards and the way they treat people in a subhuman fashion. Mm-hmm. However – I think they're dealing with people that it's very easy to consider subhuman in a lot of cases. I could see that in a lot of cases, but what is the service that's supposed to be provided by prisons? Is it just to keep these people away from your kids and people who are vulnerable and could be victims of theirs? Or is it supposed to be a punishment? Because if it's supposed to be punishment, then that's what it is. If it's just meant to keep people away, 
well then it's it's making people into criminals who wouldn't otherwise have been. 855-450-3733. Your thoughts. 855-450-FREE. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love. But make sure you give five bucks a month to AMP at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Allie. You can give us a call at 855-450-3733. Discuss whatever you, whatever's on your mind. We've been talking about... Cops. Drug raids. Uh, it's not the cops as much as just the war on drugs and the disastrous consequences and you know jury trials and things like that. Anyway, um, and you asked the question about shoot uh, people being incarcerated. Um, can, I can't remember what the question I can't was remember what I was talking about right. either. Yes, some question <laughs> on the way out. And I can't remember what it was. Bitcoins. Uh, Bitcoins are an online peer to peer open source currency where you can send and receive money without having to pay any fees without anybody having any access to your accounts so if you're in some tyrannical place of the world where the government likes to get involved in your banking business me 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 well i'm telling you everybody is if you just take a look uh, you know switzerland might be a little better than most but the united states is they're worried about your bank accounts in other countries mm-hmm. many countries banks won't do business with you if you're a united states citizen just because of your citizenship. You're being discriminated against on a worldwide basis because of your citizenship. And Bitcoin, they can fix that. And I'm not saying it's in the United States. There's lots of tyrannical countries out there in all different ways. Um, you know, Each state has its own tyranny. But Bitcoins allow you to have control of your own money. They, they cannot be inflated, meaning that no more can be created. Uh, no one, no one person can do that. Whereas in the United States, yeah, you know, you need more money. Ben Bernanke just turns right. on the presses. There's a finite amount that can be mined, right? Yes, but it's not. They're not being created out 21 of twenty-one million, and there's currently at ten point something million. So there's going to be almost more than double created um, currently. And I believe if fifty-one percent of the users wanted to create more currency, thus devaluing their current currency, that they could choose to do that. But that's something for the future. Bitcoin, and you can go find out more at weusecoins.org and go get a free online wallet where you can send money to people via their email, their Facebook, to your Facebook friends, or to anyone's cell number in just about any country around the world at blockchain.info. Let's go to Morgan calling from Terre Haute. Morgan, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Well, Bitcoin, oddly enough. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. Speak right into your phone if you would, Morgan. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe we're having an odd connection. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I got you. All right. Well, uh, thanks to you folks at Free Talk Live. I've known about Bitcoin for quite some time. I've told an awful lot of people about it. But uh, it's a bit of a double-edged sword in that I have yet to procure any myself. You should get them. And uh, every time every time I go to do so, I get confused, overwhelmed, potentially. And uh, 
So hmm. I thought I'd bend your ear, catch you on a night when you had that, because I know that you've uh, you've done what I'd like to do and make more of an investment in the idea. So I wanted to actually get some specifics, have you talk to me like I'm a fifth grader kind of a thing. I'll do my best with specifics. So go ahead. Well, you know, I know that I, I just recently found the Bitcoin wallet and uh, uh, that you guys are – actually, the, the blockchain. Okay, blockchain.info. Back on – uh, and uh, I'd been to the uh, the blockchain.org, I think, several times. And just, just as we just as you were coming on, I found that they've got a nice link where you can open the wallet. So that part I get. Blockchain.info, right? That was where to purchase and how to secure. And so we've I've almost, I guess, answered my own question. I know that you like blockchain for secure. But as I'm looking to do this more as an investment, many of the ways that I've looked to purchase to me seem like there was I was paying a premium. And oh, you're going to pay a premium. Found a way. You're going to pay okay. a premium. Um, that's the that's the reality of uh, getting any currency. If I were to travel to Canada and I wanted to change my money into uh, Canadian dollars, I'm going to have to pay money to do that. I mean, that just and if I go to down to Mexico and I'm going to have to you know change my money into pesos, they'll probably take dollars in both of those locations, which is the nice thing about dollars. Mm-hmm. But if I want to change them into pesos or, you know, solace de oro or, uh, you know, whatever, uh, you know, wherever I go around the world and I want to change into that currency, money changers charge you. And so that's the reality. And I get it. I don't like the idea of paying a premium for anything either. Um, But when it comes to bitcoins, I'm confident. I'm bullish on bitcoins. So I believe that you're going to recoup the amount of money that you pay in a premium. I would recommend going to uh, bitinstant.com, finding a bank that's near you. The reason I like banks is, A, the premium's lower than it is going to one of these uh, MoneyGram places or something like that, which they also also offer. They offer more than a million locations around the world in more than 30 countries. And you go there, you go to the bank, and they also don't ask you for any information at the bank. So you do, you're completely, your Bitcoins are derived anonymously at that point, mm-hmm. whereas MoneyGram does ask you for information and they could be using that information for something. I don't know what and I don't believe that they do, but they have a legal authority. They've, you've given them information. They don't need legal authority. Oh, right. You know? once, once they've got the info, they don't need it. So you're probably going to pay something like 3%, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but uh, some number like that in order to procure your Bitcoins. And what I recommend is pay that 3% as fast as you can. Now, I've also gotten the impression that the more that you purchase, you go through something like MT Gox or one of the other exchanges. Okay. With a larger purchase, you have a potential to lower that percentage. Is that not a true perception? It is. Um, you know, the thing is, is that BitInstant.com is going to make purchasing as easy as it possibly could. I have bought through MT Gox, and I have not paid a premium. I don't believe there's any premium um, through MT Gox. You might have to pay them a little bit on a transaction, but it's not very much. So, you know, yeah. at that point, you're you're you doing do business with... Go ahead. What's that? You do have to supply them some information. That's right. Working, you know, in order to be, yeah. They, they've so got to have your info. And to some extent, there's uh, some level of trust with the people you're buying from. Isn't that correct? I mean, you have to send them, um, you know, you, whomever you're buying your, your Bitcoins from, you have to wire them money through PayPal. Isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah. And, yep. How long does it take to get up to end up in your wallet, in your Bitcoin wallet? As soon as they send it, pretty much. Pretty quickly. 
It depends who you buy it through, I think. That's the thing about uh, bitinstant.com. They've got offices. You can uh, complain every time I've ever heard anybody having any kind of problem. And anytime you have a business, you're going to have some kind of problem. Bitinstant.com has handled it and handled it quickly. Whereas if you're dealing with some anonymous person on the Internet, you don't know whether or not you're going to get what you bought. Most of the time, sure. you do. All right. Well, that mostly answered my question. Thanks, Morgan. I'm uh, waiting to bend your on that for maybe not. I think you just reassured me, but... Uh, you know, you were asking what Allie's question was, and I think it was whether uh, prisons were for physical uh, banishment or punishment. Oh, right. You got an answer to that, Morgan? Yeah. Uh, I imagine it's so people make a bunch of money, which is my guess. <laughs> that's what it's that's, turned uh, into. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's turned into, the prison industrial complex. Thanks for the call. Most people aren't willing to justify, uh, you know, incarcerating people for profit. I think a lot of people recognize right off the bat that that's not a good system, hopefully. But the I don't I- know. I, I'm willing to talk to you about that because I think that there's there's there is more humanity in a, a private prison system, not the one that exists today, but in a prison system where uh, inmates get to choose and pay their way for prison. All right. So. I don't know. We might be talking semantically differently. Okay. I see in a free market mm-hmm. um, with, you know, devoid of government coercion that prisons would look a lot more like, and I got this idea from Bob Murphy, so it's not my own, but uh, look a lot. This guy from Mises.org. Right. He would look a lot more like hotels or something. You know, they would be, they wouldn't be such, it wouldn't be such a punishment, but hey, you're not allowed, you're not going anywhere. You're not allowed into uh, society or most parts of society because, you know, people don't really want rapists walking around. You're not welcome. So, uh, you know, property rights basically enforce this. And there would be people who would see it in their interest to create these, um, you know, probably like hotels or maybe they would be just like little uh places in the country where you'd see a bunch of trailers who knows but they would be sort of siphoned off into these places where it's not as desirable as the more free parts where there's less restriction but it would be high security and it wouldn't be satanic where you have guards treating the inmates like they're not human you'd still get to be a human you just don't uh your credibility is less so you don't get all the privileges of being anywhere you want to be. The contention is of those that wish to have worse and worse prisons is is that if you treat inmates badly enough that they will learn their lesson because they don't want to come back there. But this is something I mean prisons have never been nice. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no time that you're going to point back in United States history and say those were the nice prisons. <laughs> right. And you can't look at those and you can't point and say that that's that that bad prisons were in any way effective in deterring crime. Right, and CEOs will tell you that they expect a lot of the people to come back. Incarceration has been effective in deterring crime, but bad prisons have not been effective in deterring crime. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. I've been told no in many different ways. I give you an order and you're going to obey it. Who told you you can go this way? You can do that and you have to leave here. You cannot bring signs into the rally. Walk with me. Well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm comfortable me. here, actually. Whoa, 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 whoa. Excuse me. Hey, hey, hey. 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 Who do you think you Excuse are? me. There is no video or audio allowed in this office. No, I have work today. This is you ain't going to make it. Wait a minute. Now. Wait a minute. 
have a funny way of telling people no. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. Available now free in HD. See it now at victimlesscrimespree.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. It's the third hour of Free Talk Live's live Sunday edition with Mark. And Allie. You can give us a call. Talk about whatever's on your mind. Allie, the, the, so generally being a, a bit of a sort of amateur expert or whatever as far as uh, economics go, I've always been kind of skeptical of free trade mm-hmm. coffee. I didn't know there was such thing as things. I didn't know that there was such thing as unfree well, trade. It's fair trade. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, it's called fair trade. Right? Oh right, fair yeah. trade. We're so, getting confused. Yeah, and and trades. I guess you could call them fair or unfair, depending on how you look at them. But generally, if somebody chooses to trade something they've got for something else, then they consider that trade to have been fair, mm-hmm. right? I mean, a lot of people don't like. The working conditions, say, in other countries because our conditions are so much better. Right. Relative, it seems unfair because, you know, you happen to be in a fortunate, you happen to, it's like, you don't get to choose where you're born. And I'm lucky to be born in a place where, you know, it's relative to most places on earth. Uh, My working conditions tend to be much, much better. Luxurious even. Yeah, absolutely. And, but one of the reasons one of the strong reasons why this country is as nice as it is, is that it had a relatively free market for quite some time. And if you attempt to, con- you know, basically all the attempts at uh, rectifying markets have been done all along. I mean, you know, kings and princes and, uh, you know, t- totalitarian governments and dictators have always given sweetheart trade deals to the people that uh, that they consider to be good or, the you know, on their side or whatever. There's mm-hmm. always been people in and people out. The thing about free, a free market is, is that there's nobody who's in and nobody who's out. It's just whoever's doing business. Mm-hmm. And whoever's doing the best job is the one that gets, you know, ideally they're the ones that are going to get uh going to be the most profitable rewarded the in a best. free market at least they have a better shot right right uh so i don't know if you read women's magazines mark i have a feeling you don't i every once in a while if cosmo has some article about how to please your man i'll uh, <laughs> page through that one those are those are funny um, um so i think they have that in every uh, every issue of cosmo but if i yeah. happen to run across an issue of cosmo <laughs> which does not happen much that doesn't how complicated is pleasing men that you no, have so many articles about it. I don't it. know, <laughs> but it seems pretty. It seems pretty easy from from here. I've well, only ever pleased one man, and that's me. And it seems easy. <laughs> um, so I was looking at Self dot com, which is one of these women's magazines. Yes, and uh, someone asked a question: uh, What does fair trade mean? And the response is, uh, you know, you've seen the label and you probably have at least a vague idea that it's something good. But do you know exactly what fair trade means and what it's all about or what it has to do with a cup of coffee you just drank? 
We got the scoop so you know before you buy. Coffee scoop. <laughs> yeah. Ha ha ha. So Mary Jo They're Cook. They're brewing up an answer for you over there itself. <laughs> Chief Impact Officer at Fair Trade USA. So obviously she's going to be unbiased. She's Ex- been percolating, per- percolating <laughs> some ideas for you. Yeah. Explains to self that when you buy a product with a fair trade certified label, quote, you know that the farmers and workers producing the labeled goods were paid fair prices and wages, work in safe conditions, protect the environment and earn community development funds to empower. Not been ground down. Yeah, right. To empower and improve their communities. Cook continued, consumers want to know where their products came from, that their morning cup of coffee was grown in socially and environmentally sustainable manner. Uh, If you're unsure if uh, what you're purchasing is fair trade certified, just check the label or visit fairtradeusa.org, whatever. Don't go there. Um, Well, I think that's probably a good place to find out some information. Now, fair trade doesn't really necessarily mean that it was environmentally anything, right? mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that would be the term organic or sustainably or whatever. Right. If I was buying coffee and like thinking about where it came from and, the, and you know, who, what workers are benefiting from it, I think I would want to benefit the person lowest on the totem pole, like the person who's really having a hard time getting by. I want to help that guy so that his babies don't starve, Right. That would probably be where most people would want to start, right? Right. Like you want to go, you want to help the individual who's out there picking beans and that kind of thing. You want his conditions to be better, his working conditions. His or hers, right? So that's who you want to be trading with. That is not what cert, uh, fair trade certification helps. That's not who they help. They help, basically, the evidence shows that they they help people who are part of this hierarchy, hierarchical structure uh, which benefits the same people that have always, you know, been on top of the coffee industry to begin with. Uh, I can read a little bit more from a Reason article I found on it. Um, Transfair USA certifies fair trade products and audits the chain of custody from producer to finished product, verifying that fa- verifying that fair trade standards are met by everyone along the line. But it relies on fair trade labeling organi- organizations international, a global group based on Bonn, Germany, to certify uh, coffee farms. So um, the FLO uh, defines a fair farm as a family farm that is a part of a large democratic cooperative. Farms cannot be, quote, structurally dependent on hired labor, unquote, which means that hiring even one laborer year round makes a farm ineligible for certification. Okay. So if I'm a coffee grower and I'm... It doesn't sound like the same people that have been benefited all along. It sounds like different people that have been benefited. And I mean, that's that's what it sounds like. And the, you know, the thing is, is whenever you have a group like this, there's somebody who's in the group and somebody who's out of the group. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how does the guy who picks beans at one of these other farms, how does he go to being in and does... Is it easy for somebody who has their own farm that doesn't have an employee to get into this organization or do they exclude people? Because that's what groups are all about. Groups are all about who's excluded. Well, it's easy because the organization only charges between $2,000 and $4,000 to check out a cooperative. Uh, plus two thousand to four thousand dollars to show. Whoa! Can you imagine what that? What, you know what Miguel and uh, and and Juana are. I mean, two thousand dollars is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I, I I give money to people all over the world through this organization called Kiva, and I, I don't give it. I loan it through my, these micro loans, and uh, you know, in in order to 
as far as I'm concerned, provide very poor people with a little bit of money in order to do better. And I, you know, I can only imagine I'm not I don't have that kind of jack in inside of Kiva. And, you know, who's who's getting that kind of money? I know. Uh, I mean, when so you think it sounds about like somebody who has two to four thousand dollars th- to throw down for certification is probably somebody who's pretty wealthy. Right. Uh, the interesting thing about this, uh, alt- it reminds me of uh, or the organics certification, the USDA, USDA organic certification. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up on a blueberry farm. And as far as anyone who's interested in uh, their fruit being organic, I think what most people mean is they just don't want chemicals on their food, right? Mm-hmm. My dad met any anyone's standards as far as that went. He didn't put chemicals on anything, just water, basically, and whatever dirt was in the ground. And he could never be able to afford uh, organic certification and charge what he wanted to charge. He didn't want to... Uh, he wanted to be able to provide people with blueberries. Yes, yeah. that was his passion. He didn't. He didn't want to. You know, he wasn't interested in having his. Uh, you know, having like some high end product. He just wanted people to have access to blueberries because he knew that they're really healthy, and he believed in his product. That did not. He d- he didn't think about having some government agency come on his farm and inspect his berries. And if he had, he probably wouldn't be able to get certification anyway because organic farmers are required to use certain chemicals. Also, certification costs money. I don't know if the certification is one time or ongoing, but I suspect it's ongoing because yeah, any the- certifi- cert- certifying company is going to want to keep that going. And this is, you know, th- this comes into all kinds of industries where people need certification. If the certification costs money, that that money gets passed on to the customer. If you want your blueberries to say organic, then you're going to pay money for that. Now, if you want them to be organically grown, maybe you should go to this farm and take a look. And this is right. one of the advantage to is one of the advantages to buying local when it comes to your food. Right. I don't think your food necessarily has to be bought local, but there's some advantages to it. Right. Certified fair trade and certified organic, as far as I'm concerned, they're just gimmicks and they're misleading at that. 855-450-3733. Do you rely on these certifications? What do you think about them being gimmicks? 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and 2XM channels. FTL's also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at mark at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call in line. 855-450-3733. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. We've been talking about fair trade coffee. Mm-hmm. But we were talking earlier about bitinstant.com. And bitinstant.com's the best way that I can tell, safest, fastest, easiest way to get your bitcoins. Bitcoins are an online peer-to-peer open source currency where you can send and receive money without having to pay any fees. If you need anything, more information on that, you can go to weusecoins.org. But to get your bitcoins, 
Go to bitinstant.com. They've got more than a million locations in more than 30 countries. That speaks for itself. They're one of, I think, the biggest Bitcoin company out there, bitinstant.com. You know that caller that was calling in about Bitcoins and he was saying you wanted to make a big investment. And I think that that kind of, when it comes to switching currencies, you know, because most people just use uh, Federal Reserve notes, it's... U.S. dollars, right? Yeah, it's difficult for, uh, it's difficult for people to imagine like switching over for something less liquid. But the thing is, you know that you're going to lose money if you, I mean, if you look at the history of the U.S. dollar, you know that it's not likely to go up. It's Ben Bernanke's fact, probably not possible. <laughs> been made available forty billion dollars every single month going on into the future. Right. That means every time they enter forty billion dollars into the economy, the current amount of dollars is devalued. That's why things like gasoline and bread and you know food and and housing not housing as much um, housing's been uh, you know decreasing in price relatively recently because of uh, the bubble. But all these things are caused by the the you know, inflation of the currency. By that inflation, I mean adding more money to the the situation, not the increase. Is that of a price. direct relationship, like money added to the economy by Bernanke and the value of your dollar? Is that an indirect or direct correlation? Like, I would think it would be really direct. I mean, if you like, like, as in he adds forty billion dollars, and now it's you know, as far as the ratio to my dollar and all the other dollars. Yep. It's immediately going down by an equivalent amount. It takes a little while for it to trickle around because uh, money is has its value. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the Federal Reserve note has its value per, through perception. But as the dollars are out there and there's more of them, then they become less scarce. As they're less scarce, they're less valuable. Okay. So it's a direct relationship, no doubt. So we were talking about uh, fair trade coffee here. And you claimed that both organic and fair trade are gimmicks. Mm-hmm. That's just how, I mean, I haven't really, for one thing, I don't think as far as like wanting to improve the working conditions of people in third world countries, I think the best thing to do is to buy from wherever the conditions are the harshest. If right? that's what your concern is. So I- if you don't like people working in sweatshops, buy from people who work in sweatshops so that their condition can have like so that they can be profitable, that their situation can get better and they don't eventually have to work in sweatshops. People in the United States used to work in what we would consider sweatshops. Sure. The conditions in the United States, the richest person in America, you know, a hundred and something years ago was you know, crapping in a hole in the ground. Mm-hmm. I, I guess they probably had internal water closets where they had servants take the, the refuse out, I suppose. But, I mean, just about everybody had an outhouse. Right. Well, those conditions now would be unacceptable. I mean, you might be it might be called child abuse if you kept your children in those conditions mm-hmm. uh, with an outhouse and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, what's, con- what's a sweatshop in other countries? You're just seeing countries that are... Uh, you know, economically behind the United States. And right. there's nothing you can do to make that better. If you mandate that their factories have air conditioning, eight-hour work weeks, and a break every two hours, then the costs of those factories to do business there are going to go up. Right. Therefore, they're going to leave that country and go either back to the United States or to another country. Mm-hmm. Well, they might leave. They don't have those uh, restrictions. They might stay around in the country, but then they'd end up having to maybe cut the wages or something. Or Uh, the amount of people working there, or, you know, I mean. They're just going to shift, yeah, the amount of people working. They're going to shift the costs around somehow because, believe it or not, you know, these companies aren't just like making 
you know, there might be people in the at the top of the company that make lots of money and uh, could sure. live on less, but they wouldn't be at that position if they weren't making as much as they make. So the job just wouldn't exist is the point. Right. And, you know, I mean, the thing is, is if you pay more for a product, it's not going to make uh, it's not going to make it the, it's not going to make competition go away. The competition's still out there, and the mm-hmm. vast majority of people are going to be buying shoes or whatever that's made in the sweatshop, coffee, whatever, based on, to some extent, price. Price right. is a factor in purchasing things because you have a finite amount of money to work with on a weekly, monthly, or yearly basis, and you make your decisions based on that. And so if you want to have fewer things, you buy stuff that costs more. If you want to have more things... Available for you and your family so they can live a better life. You're going to buy things that cost less. Mm -hmm. So that's the end of the story when it comes to sweatshops. I mean, I'm afraid the sad thing is, is everybody who's in those terrible working conditions in those factories chooses to be there because working on the family farm, trying to scratch a living out of the dirt in whatever awful country they are where they don't even have antibiotics and clean water is worse than working in that factory. If it was better to work on the family farm, that's where they'd work. Exactly. They, they're they not, no one's pointing guns at them and say, hey, come work in my sweatshop. I mean, they do have. If they are pointing guns at them and making them work in the sweatshop, that is a crime right. and it should be punished. And I do not support that. But I don't know that that's happening. I mean, right. if I knew that was happening in some place, I wouldn't, wouldn't buy those. Right. Things. That's boycott worthy. But to boycott, um, uh, companies that use sweatshop labor is to hurt the people in those conditions right you're not hurting the the ceo of that company they've got their golden parachute you're not hurting the management you're hurting the people in the factory floor yeah they're the ones the that get ones hit the, you help. the hardest by something like a boycott um or something like even worse trying to legislate their conditions the best thing for them is if they want to increase their conditions is to unionize where they are so and- what's what's ironic to me is that uh you know, women, I think, who are mostly doing the grocery shopping um, are buying this fair trade coffee in hopes to make the working or in hopes to make trade more fair. But they're getting ripped off. So is well, it's not making fair trade fair. That's for sure. <laughs> right. It's, 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 it sure seems fair to the nice folks that are involved in the fair trade. But the folks that are trying to make a living outside of the hierarchy of the fair trade, it probably doesn't seem real fair. Let's uh, go to Zorin calling from Australia. Zorin, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. How you doing? All's well. What's on your mind? Mate, I'm just very curious. You know, I'm originally from uh, Czech Republic, and um, before we migrated from Czech Republic to Australia, we used to look at America as uh, as a great uh, beacon of uh, freedom and democracy and freedom of speech. And obviously that was about 25, 26 years ago. And today I sit here and I ponder and I wonder what has happened to America since, because I no longer see that as this beacon of freedom, something to look up to and something that, I mean, America loves to go around and preach to everybody else around the world how to behave and all the rest. But where do you guys stand on this and where do you think it's heading? And please tell me that it can be fixed and reversed. Yeah, Mark, you're older than I am. What happened? <laughs> I'm, I'm old. <laughs> Hold the lines, Zoran. I do want to talk to you about this. I think this is important. Um, 855-450-3733. What are your thoughts? Is America getting freer? Who out there believes that? 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live.
You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio, podcast, satellite, webcam, and our live streams. But did you know you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere? Add this number to your phone, 213-493-0308. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Listen Lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 213-493-0308. That's 213-493-0308. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live, we try to make it easy for you to uh, to get the news of Free Talk Live. You can go to news.freetalklive.com, sign up for our email updates, and that'll get you the sort of major news of Free Talk Live. But you can also sign up for our Twitter and Facebook accounts at news.freetalklive.com. There you can get the more granular updates going on during the show. It's news.freetalklive.com. We uh, just had Z- we have Zorin here on the phone calling in from Australia. And Zorin, let me see if I can recap your statement. You're from the Czech Republic. 25 years ago, you were looking at moving to the land of the free. And uh, somehow or another, you ended up in Australia as opposed to the United States, probably immigration difficulties. And... You know, you used to look at the United States as this beacon of liberty, and you believe it's gone downhill, and that uh, liberty really isn't alive in the United States anymore. Does that sound correct? Absolutely. So, um, I, you know, it's anybody who looks at these lists, these lists of, uh, you know, that rate freedom, whether it's press freedom is one uh, way. Um, you know, there's electronic freedom as far as uh, internet freedom. There's, uh, you know the freedom of speech and and uh, economic freedom and all kinds of different freedoms there. You'll see the United States is moving down on the lists, and I don't believe it's at the top of any of these lists. I think the only list it's at the top of is uh, military spending and incarceration. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's the only list that I know the United States is at the top of. But I, I think that to some extent it's coasting on many previous decades of uh, more free markets but that that's diminishing. That well, does does having a free market somehow spur more government intrusion? Generally not. I mean, what what happened? Benefit the people. Go ahead, Zoran. What? Or benefit the people? No, it doesn't. What's that? <clears throat> what doesn't? Free markets do they benefit the people? You know, it's a little bit like in Australia. You know, Australia always talks about we got so much mining, we got so much coal for export. Who benefits from it? Nobody except one person. You know, I think that free markets um, free markets allow competition. And what has been come to be called free markets is, you know, big companies doing business to the um, – using the government to exclude little companies from, from doing business. Every regulation that's out there um, and every way that uh, a corporation colludes with the government is the opposite of a free market. Couldn't have said it better. So, um, yeah, th- thank you for the calls, Aaron. I, I want to, um, you know, you know, address this a little more too. I think it's uh, it's it's an important thing. I've talked to people from, um, you know, like Zorin from the Czech Republic, and uh, you know, people from you know, Eastern East Germany, Poland, mm-hmm. um, from different Yugoslavia, di- different former communist countries that are here in the United States, and they say, you know, this is what it was like. Mm-hmm. Now it's getting more and more what it was like. The United States is turning, according to them, into 
whatever these communist countries were. And these aren't my words. They're theirs. You want my words? I went through the airport two days ago, and I got shaken down six times on four flights. That's a lot of shaking down. And what it felt like to me when I was standing there thinking about it is it reminded me of prison. I was in maximum security prison for nine years, and that's what it reminded me like. People going along, doing their jobs, you know, invading your sort of privacy. In prison, I get, I get it. I get why they do it. But in airports, do you want the citizens to be trained to be treated like inmates? Well, people think that they're just a bunch of terrorists running around the airports, I guess. Or do people think that? Or is it just that uh, I I don't know why people put up with this? Well, because they have to get from one place to another. Yeah, I can I can see that. I could see that that's an advantage that the government has. And, you know, it's uh, more tolerated because people just don't have time to protest it. But still, I mean, people have... You know, we talk about people filming the police and how that's a good thing. And you see videos of the TSA, uh, you know, wiping down kids in wheelchairs, like wiping them down for explosives. And it just doesn't seem that uh, nothing's nothing's really changing on that front. It just it seems like like that. I think as far as history goes, the mechanisms have already have always been sort of going and rolling and getting bigger, and it just sort of snuck up government, on everyone. Government gets bigger. Government gets bigger. And that's what Zoran's second question was. What do we do? Is it going to get better? Is it going to change as far as tyranny and, and these kind of things? And I say, is, as far as the United States goes, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. The United States government, the Washington, D.C., is too much of a juicy, delicious plum sitting out there for those that uh, the parasite class that wish to control others and not produce anything. Mm -hmm. That it's become that there's nothing. There's no way you're going to wrest control of that thing and give it back to the people. I don't Mm -hmm. know of too many circumstances in human history. I'd love to hear about them where governments have become more free. Right. I mean, it seems like it reminds me of some kind of, you know, addictive personality, like an addiction works. It's like, you know, you have that friend and they, uh, you know, you start to see it happen to them, that they're addicted to something. And then you start to realize that this isn't really going to end until they hit rock bottom. So I've seen three points of light so far as far as liberty. Um, I, I think that that empires rise and empires fall. The United States is on the way down. That seems clear and quantifiable to me. You may disagree, and you can give me a call at 855-450-3733 if you disagree. I'd, I'd, you know, I, I want to hear the evidence as to otherwise. If you just disagree, then you don't have any evidence. Well, you're not going to be much fun to talk to. But um, I've seen the Free State Project where you have a 1,000 people, have more than a 1,000 people in state, in New Hampshire, have uh, you know, picked up their lives and moved. Uh, quite a few of them have moved, and 13,000 or so, close to 13,000, have said they're going to move here in order to make a better, freer state. They've already cut the budget by 12%, um, and it's, it's great. The, uh, the other places I've seen is Blue Seed at blueseed.co. This is a, a boat where they're going to have it off 13 miles off the coast of California in order to avoid a lot of the uh, onerous regulations that are mm-hmm. in California. And it's going to be startup entrepreneurs right there on uh, basically their own little island that they've created for themselves. So it's all out of reach of the maritime borders or whatever? We're going to hope. Okay. And uh, another one are the Free Cities Projects down in Honduras. Now, they've had a setback recently where the Supreme Court of Honduras may have uh, a... 
it's a committee has ruled it unconstitutional and need to go to the Supreme Court. But it's it's a major setback. And we'll see how that goes. But the very concept of these free cities where they're going to take best practices of places that have uh, brought, you know, different municipalities, governments, uh, you know, states, whatever around the world and apply them in one small area and basically make a Hong Kong of the West. Right. And I think that that's, you know, as long as, yeah, that's going to be great. As it long sounds, as you take uh, people's property rights into into account. It sounds like you're suggesting there used to be like a pilgrimage, like, uh, you know, the way people came to the United States. You don't get. There used to be like land where you could just uh voyage for it and find it and you're like oh i claim this i mean i don't know it's kind of controversial how all that went down in the united states but at least you know that was possible that you could go somewhere and and find more freedom you don't get something new by doing the same old stuff Mm -hmm. that's i mean you know that's obvious you're not going to continue to do the same old thing and get something new uh, you know, going to the polls and voting for Mitt Romney or Barack Obama is not going to bring you one whit of freedom, one way or the other. Let's go to Robert and call him from Bellows Falls. Robert, you're on Free Talk Live. Call him from Vermont. Hi, hi, what's on your mind? Hey, what's going on? Right. I hope you don't mind if I change the subject here a little bit. I know you guys talked about, you know, rights, and, and, and I know in the past, Mark, you and Ian have talked about, you know, gun control and stuff like that, and I... You know, I found something on the Internet here that I thought that was really interesting. Have you ever heard of the Dick Act of 1902? The Dick Act? No. Okay. This is a, this is, this is a bill that was passed back in 1902. Mm-hmm. I'll read just a little bit of it here to you. I won't get into the whole thing because there's a lot here, and I don't have enough. You don't think you're gonna have enough time, but I think that this is something that should be definitely looked at. Well, before you start reading it, Robert, I'm I'm interested in this. So, the Dick Act of 1902 has something to do with gun rights. Yeah. Very interested. Hold the line, if you would, please. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Free Talk Live. Final segment coming up. Eight five five four five zero free. Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. You give that a ring, well, we'll probably be able to squeeze you in here in the final segment. When you do your shopping online, please go through shop.freetalklive.com. Specifically, Amazon, but we've got other retailers there. New Egg comes to mind. Shop.freetalklive.com. It only takes an extra minute Extra moment, not even a full minute. <laughs> Extra moment when you're shopping. Another couple of clicks uh, to go through shop.freetalklive.com. And you don't pay any extras. You get the same prices, the same service you normally would get from Amazon or Newegg. But Free Talk Live gets a little cut. Makes it a lot easier for us to do this, this show for you. It's shop.freetalklive.com. Let's go back to Robert in Bellows Falls, who is telling us about the Dick Act of 1902. How you doing? Good. All right, look, I, you know, found this kind of by accident, and what I want to do is I just want to just read off a a, a couple, two or three paragraphs here, just so you'll understand where I'm coming from. Now, this was a bill that was passed back in 1902, and it reads as follows. It says, the Dick Act of 1902, also known as the Efficiency of the Militia Bill, House Resolution 11654. 
of June 28, 1902, invalidates all, all so-called gun control laws. It also divides the militia into three distant and separate uh, entities. The three classes of House Resolution 11654 provides uh, for the originated militia, henceforth known as the National Guard of the state, territory, and district of Columbia, the unorganized militia, and the regular army. So all we need to do is just explain this to the gun control fanatics, and they will finally right. relinquish their beliefs and allow everyone to have guns? Now, the, the, the other thing here that it says here, it says the Dick Act of 1902 cannot be, cannot be replied, uh, repealed. To do so would violate bills of alternate and ex post facto laws, which would be yet another gross violation of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. The President of the United States has zero authority without violating the Constitution to call the National Guard to serve outside of their state borders. Now, let me ask you this one, uh, Robert. I get it. I mean, so maybe this is a real piece of legislation. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm certainly not an attorney. And there's a lot of stuff that kind of, you know, people will point to and say, look, look, this is, you know, the government's breaking its own laws. And I don't doubt that for a second. But why wouldn't some attorney somewhere who has a client who's relatively wealthy, has some money to defend themselves, um, you know, who was, say, you know, is convicted of possession of a firearm by a convicted felon or something like that. Um, or, you know, who's in Chicago where they banned guns. Why didn't, uh, you know, or in Washington, D.C., where they had that uh, that big case that's not coming to my mind here. Um, but a couple of years ago, there was a big case out of D.C. about gun ownership. Why don't they cite the Dick Act in any of these circumstances? Uh, but, but, well, for one, for one thing, this bill... They can't find it. They can't and fight the it. The other thing that you're, you're talking about in D.C.—that's uh, um, what is that? D.C. versus Heller. Heller, yeah, that was the Heller decision. In that case, that that guy won that. Yeah, he did, but he, he didn't use the Dick Act to win. Pardon me. But he didn't use the Dick Act to win. I, I that uh, uh, that I don't know because again, uh, one of the things that I found out was that the Dick Act has never been challenged. It's interesting. I mean, you'd think that some attorney somewhere who was representing some male between the ages of 18 and 44 who was convicted of possession of firearm by a convicted felon or something like that, because it says every male. Mm -hmm. And in 1902, I don't think there were any, uh, you know, felon in possession laws. Every male um, is, you know, allowed to own a firearm. Why wouldn't, I mean, there's plenty of relatively wealthy people who've been caught for this charge. You'd think that some attorney somewhere would use this as a defense. It is, it is interesting that, you know, because I found out, you know, like I said, online by accident, you know, through a gentleman named Rodney Class. And, you know, he's advocate to, you know, to, you know, uh, you know, for people to, you know, because uh, he, what he's saying is, is that we never lost any of our gun rights at all. They can't create new gun laws with this bill. But they do. Well, they and they enforce them. This bill. Well, you know, they're going to be able to do it if somebody doesn't challenge it. But 
you know, I mean, the, the the thing is, is that the cost is so high to challenge this that it's not like the average person can do it. For I mean, I'm a convicted felon. There's no way I would go around carrying a gun um, on my hip in order to be able to challenge it based on the Dick Act of 1902, uh, just to see whether or not I'm going to uh, not get that 10 years in prison that would be hanging over my head if I were to do such right. a thing. But you'd, I, I mean, you'd, I, I'm all for talking about it so that somebody who might be facing this can use this as a defense. I'm very interested in it, but I don't know. I mean, I I wouldn't trust it. I wouldn't tr- base my freedom on it. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm going to do a little bit more research. Please do, Robert. Myself, I, but I, I believe that it's there. Yep. And uh, interesting that uh, Robert calling in from one of the uh, freest states in America as far as gun ownership goes, uh, Vermont. Not free in many, too many other ways, but as far as gun ownership goes, mm-hmm. you can, but you don't even have to have a permit to carry a concealed weapon there in Vermont, as far as I, I know. So, Allie, earlier we were talking about fair trade coffee, and mm-hmm. you made uh, you know a statement there, sort of towards the end, that I found interesting is that you believe that fair trade that fair trade certification is aimed at women, yep. and that uh, women fall for these sort of uh, I think I, I, you may have used the term gullible, uh, but you know that's certainly what uh, it seemed like the the accusation was, kind of fall for these kind of uh, you know fuzzy good feeling kind of things. Yeah, I think that for some reason, when it comes to shopping around for things, women are... Uh, you don't mean all women. You no, mean a majority of women. No, all women. I just think in general that when it comes... When you look at branding and uh, like what industries use gimmicks more and like misleading gimmicks at that, it's the kind of stuff that mo- mostly their consumer bases are women. Mm-hmm. I would say that's what I'm looking at. I don't know all women enough to know if what they're all gullible. What kind of gimmicks besides uh, fair trade and maybe organic can you think of? Uh, now I'll say gimmicks that- with like uh, laundry detergent. As far as like amount of loads, a lot of that stuff is mm-hmm. very misleading. Just- but that's, they use quantifiable um, information, like you know, this is uh, this is how much bleach is in this bottle, even though we've now diluted this amount of bleach down or something like that. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, that's that's quantifiable. That's amount of um, of you know fluid ounces in a particular bottle or something like that. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's just. That's just mean practices. <laughs> um, and I mean, you know, guys on the traditional guy products out there, I'm thinking cars, styling is a huge yeah. issue. That's- I'm trying to think of ways that men get ripped off and maybe I'm just not familiar enough with, you know, with with that to know like what things, uh, what things do industries do when it comes to like markets that mostly males are consumers and what do they do to try to like fool men into buying their products? I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, you know, as far as styling on a vehicle goes, it's not really a uh, it, it's it's not a logical choice that one makes when one says, "I like what a must, new Mustang looks like." Um, you know, it's a it's a preferential inch. Yeah, issue. but you're not being tricked. No. in that sense, you know, yeah. you're just looking at it and you're saying, "I like that," and I want a car based on how it looks, not based on its performance necessarily. And you know, that's why you buy a Mustang. So. That's why men buy the Mustangs for well, looks. The performance is there, but it's not the uh, the it's fuel not, economy or something like well, that. Well, you can buy find cheaper cars that perform much better um, than Mustangs. I don't know. I don't know if it's something that one can really put one's finger on in, in these areas. And I mean, you you got to be on the lookout. And I think that probably people, you know, both genders uh, get get their fair share of ripoffs. I don't know what manner they do. They go about doing it. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's just sort of buyer beware. You got to take a look at consumer reports, take a look at the other um, agencies out there. The Internet's made it very mm-hmm. difficult to search these things because now the 
you know, industries will have, if you search cars scam, you'll get the first two pages of results will be people pretending to expose scams, in fact, directing you towards certain products. Oh, really? Wow. That kind of thing. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just been, it's been a kind of a turnaround in right. those areas. I do think that fair trade is a kind of a fuzzy, feel-good certification that mm-hmm. doesn't do what people hope it does right. necessarily. I think that it, the people that uh, spent the two to $4,000 for certification in foreign countries to get to be part of the fair trade thing probably had a great deal of money already because two to four thousand dollars in foreign countries is a lot mm-hmm. and um, just because they're mom and pop uh, you know members of a co-op doesn't mean that they're not relatively wealthy and right. you're certainly excluding the poor people from that right and i'm just thinking about as far as grocery shopping when i've been shopping with guys they're looking at price and they're getting the cheapest thing for their dollar women are looking at what is healthiest? What makes me feel the best? Uh, healthy is important. Eight five. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm giving the wrong number. Three, uh, freetalklive.com. Check <laughs> us out in the meantime. It's freetalklive.com. Hi, I'm Richard Grove of TragedyAndHope.com, and thanks to the help of Mark and Ian here on Free Talk Live, we've created this call to action to help raise awareness for John Taylor Gatto. In 2001, former New York City and State School Teacher of the Year, John Taylor Gatto, published The Underground History of American Education, detailing how public schooling creates obedient workers and debt slaves. Now John delivers a message which he calls your birthright. It's titled The Ultimate History Lesson, and it's a five-hour journey illustrating how and why our public schools are dumbing us down and what we can do about it. Therein, referencing more than 200 footnotes and 30 classic texts. John suffered multiple strokes in the weeks after filming this interview, and he's in need of your help as he continues to recover. Please click the banner on freetalklive.com and enter the coupon code FTL and we'll send you the ultimate history lesson on four DVDs plus a free 15-hour MP3 bonus DVD. Thank you for tuning in and not dropping out. 